0: Good morning to everybody and uh, welcome to uh, another episode of the Art Business Podcast. And my guest this week is um, an emerging artist, Georgia Dimmett, uh, whom I've been working with uh, for a new exhibition of her work at J.D. Mallet in Davis Street in Mayfair. The exhibition continues until April the 9th. Do go, it's it's had very good um, reception. Uh, and comments and so on. Um, I think it's great, and um, we'll be talking about uh, Georgia's practice and the works in that exhibition later uh, in the in the podcast. And Georgia is currently, I mean, she really is an, a very sort of new emerging artist, uh, kind of new kid on the block, if you like. And um, she's so she's still studying at Slade uh, School of Art. So, so it's quite unusual, I think, to see an artist who's, who's still studying uh, their, their practice at somewhere like Slade, who is, who, is, who is, you know, also got an exhibition at one of the major contemporary galleries in, in Mayfair in London. So Georgia, just welcome to the podcast Thank you so much for having me. That's great. And and um I can see I can see some of your you're in, you're in are you in Slade or in a studio? I'm
1: currently at the Slade. Yeah, yeah, you're currently at the Slade. I can see some, some things I'm working on. I can my see very something. messy trolley.
0: Yeah, messy trolley <laughs> um, with paints and so on. Um you know, yeah. I, I I mean I know Georgia is uh, Georgia works many, you know, long hours and we we'll, we'll talk about that later on uh t- today. And um, and just to remind um uh, the listeners to the podcast if you go back a few episodes I, I had already uh, interviewed or done a podcast with Kojo Marfo uh, who, who who recently also has had um, an exhibition at, at JD Mallet so you might having having listened to this one with Georgie you might want to kind of go back if you haven't heard it already and listen to the one with Kojo it's very interesting to hear what um, emerging artists have to say about you know living and working in London as it were so, so George, I was just going to start by asking you, um, do you have a favourite city?
1: Favourite <laughs> city, um, <laughs> I think I, it would have to be London. Obviously, like I've lived here for five years. Um, I, I think over London, like you could just be anywhere in the world, kind of like a cultural melting pot. And it's, yeah, it's, it's so varied, so much ultra-culturally, socially.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm when on it. <laughs> I totally agree. I mean, I'm I'm a lot older than you, and I I I do think London has, has has there was a revolution in London in terms of culture and just the general feel of the city, I would say, coming up in, through the nineties and into the new millennium. And I think a lot of that was to do with um the rise of contemporary art in London, you know, spearheaded at the time by the YBAs, the young British artists, and it was so exciting. And Tate Modern opened in 2000, and I remember going there the first day with my students, it was so exciting. There was a Louise Bourgeois in the Mm -hmm. Turbine Hall of Big Spider. Um, And um, everything, you know, we had the Cool Britannia movement led by uh, Tony Blair at the time, he was quite young, and everyone believed in his (laughs) his politics and you know i know that became slightly mixed later in his life but it, all of that cool britannia thing and the and the, the led by the the labor government at the time um and yeah. uh, and the, and then the rise of collectors like charles sarchi obviously he was an important ingredient it all led to a, to london becoming a really go to place and i i th- i think that the reason that you know, my students come to London, they can go to New York, they, they, they're attracted by that buzz. And Georgia, you're, you're part of that now. Maybe you could say something yeah. about, do you, what do you do, you know, if you actually have time uh, to relax in the evenings? Do you, go to, do you go to shows? Do you go to the pub? You know, what kind of things do you like about London in the nightlife, if you like?
1: Um, so I mean, recently <laughs> I've just been working a lot. But <laughs> yeah. so when I can, I, I do love to go to shows but when I can to take advantage.
0: Or to other other art sure. exhibitions.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's so much to yeah. learn. Like even just like, exposing yourself to other people's work. Like I, I'm lucky to be at the Slade at the moment and just be constantly sort of exposed to other artists, other you know like strong like thought and stuff. But I think there's so much to gain from going to exhibitions. Um, yeah, and obviously yeah, the pub is, is good. Um, <laughs> there's, there's so much. There's so much. Yeah, so much good food places as well. London. Um, there's yeah a lot to
0: offer and I know that at the start of the pandemic you um and we might speak about your practice during the pandemic later on but I know that you went back to your family home in the Peak District I think in Derbyshire so I probably the the next question and I always ask people is do you have a favorite rural location and non-urban I mean it's (laughs)
1: it's obvious yeah London the Peak District favorite I mean I don't I don't actually know any other countryside, to be honest, except for the Peter Street. I mean, I've been to Yorkshire for like five years ago, um, yeah. but I think like Peter Street for me is always going to be home. You know, it's um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful place, and just being in London and living in London most of the time, when I go back, it's just like I appreciate it. I think growing up in the Peak District, I hated it. I always wanted to escape. I wanted to come to London <laughs> and I was like, I, you know, I hated it here. There's nothing here for me. Um, but now, yeah, I definitely appreciate what I have there. And I feel so, yeah, lucky I guess to have such a beautiful place to like go into yeah. and yeah. Yeah, I can't it's, imagine. It's really I, can't, place.
0: I can't imagine two better locations than being at. I know. Yeah.
1: It's so London extreme. to the Peak District,
0: yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And and um, uh, I was going to ask you: Do you, are you as kind of I guess through the eyes of an artist? Uh, do you have any kind of favourite buildings? Any architecture that you you like to, or don't you really look at built built culture?
1: I don't know. Um, I quite like old buildings, like, like (laughs) Gothic architecture. Um, Like, last year, we went to Whitby, Um, and I loved going to Whitby Abbey. Oh, right. Seeing, like, the ruins there. Maybe just, like, architectures that has kind of a history to it, like, especially, like, Whitby Abbey, we can just see, like, how it's, you know, still windows that have been smashed in and just, like, remaining there, and it's just such a, I don't know, such an energy, I think to Buildings like that, where you know, absolutely, it's like yeah, such, like efforts and it's so beautiful, but then the destruction of it and how it's just been left,
0: yeah. And I think, I think the whole thing, point- yeah, there's
1: a lot of energy
0: and history there. I agree yeah the whole country is filled with because of the for, for listeners who don't know their British religious history uh we had Henry VIII and uh, followers and they they became Protestants and uh, turned against the Roman Catholic Church and one of the things they did was to dissolve the mount monasteries I, I remember as a kid finding that yeah. very amusing. this term dissolve the monasteries I, I can imagine an El seltzer sort of abbey being dropped into a large glass of water and dissolved but anyway what what that meant as George as uh Georgia says is that the, the countryside is littered with these ruined abbeys that uh that were destroyed by Henry VIII they're not totally destroyed and they've become very romantic um images mm. on the landscape uh so so I totally agree with Georgia on that and they and they still have this amazing vibe that even if they've kind of become deconsecrated I always find that they have this incredible spirituality when you when you go into them even as ruins Uh,
1: yeah I think even more so than if they were I don't know just like standing up and haven't been touched yeah
0: and I I, and and in terms of um it's I hate being asked this question but if you if if you had to go to a it's like a desert island this really the podcast but if you had to take a work one work of art like to a desert island Mm. And I know this changes all the time, it does really? for me, but uh, currently, what would you, is there something you might have in mind that you would take with you?
1: Um,
0: <laughs> Other than I one love, of, you could take your own work, of course. I
1: remember what it's called. It's, it's made, like forward portrait of a woman when she's holding strangling a cat. Oh, um, wow. So <laughs> I think maybe that, I'd, I'd love that image.
0: <laughs> Oh, when uh, was, was that? Where, yeah. Is that from the 19th century? It sounds kind of all modern, or? Um, Freud's it's
1: one of Freud's portraits. Oh, Lucian Freud. Yeah. Yeah. Lucian Freud, yeah. Okay, I can't actually yeah. Remember oh, sorry, it I missed it's maybe even like woman holding cat. Portrait of things. a woman holding um, a
0: cat. and, and she, of a
1: woman, yeah.
0: And she is actually strangling it.
1: I think it looks like she's strangling it. <laughs> it is. Just,
0: <laughs> I think yeah, I know the work you mean. I, love that
1: one.
0: I I wasn't, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and Lucian it's my screen
1: for a while.
0: Yeah, do you like do you like Lucian Freud? D- d- just that subject, but do you, do you appreciate his practice, like the way he he the way he applied paint, the way he worked, as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And like how he's also opened change, like how his practice like evolved like throughout his life, and from you know, <laughs> kind of like illustrative when he was younger to be very expressive and loose when he's older. I think it's nice to appreciate that and the, I think I saw his um Freud portrait, at sort of the RA. And just like seeing the evolution on his file just in like one exhibition is quite incredible.
0: Yeah, no, I mean certainly one of the really certainly one of the great, if people say, Oh, who you're I've never heard of any British artists, I say, Well, there's Turner, <laughs> there's Eastern Freud. You know, it's it's yeah. interesting how how few of our students, when we we took them to St Ives a few weeks ago, and it it's amazing that once you get past Barbara Hepworth. It's amazing how mm. few of the like Saint Ives school of artists, like Patrick Heron and and and, and so on, that they, they they just don't know outside of this mm. country. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that Georgia will spearhead the way to uh, you know continue, if you like, the um, the YBA tradition and uh, make sure that London and the UK remains on them very much on the contemporary art map. Yeah. As well. <laughs> I'm sure it will. And. Um, uh, so so yeah, Lucy and Freud, what a great choice to take to the desert island, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and 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 um, and then music. Um, I mean, we, I've spoken with you about the fact that you often listen to music while you're painting, and we might come back to that. But if you were going to like a gig or a concert, is there any kind of particular musician, either either contemporary or modern or or classical, that you particularly?
1: Mm. Joy? I don't. It's so. I hate this question. I mean, yeah, I know, I
0: know. Questions. I know. I couldn't. <laughs> ask. There's so many. <laughs> I but... like,
1: tell people look at my Spotify. Account <laughs> yeah, my top
0: Well, maybe we could do um, that. Maybe we, you could share your Spotify. I don't know. Or,
1: this morning yeah. I've been listening to Eminem, which is kind of unusual for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. No, that's yeah. Great. I
1: don't usually listen to rap that much, but I've yep. been. um So quite, that, eclect, quite, quite a click. Jeff is cle- on. Yeah. Jeff yeah. Buckley. Not has been on my mind.
0: Yeah. And um, I, I think the fun thing I about Spotify, Yeah, really the strokes. I, I think the fun thing yeah. about um Spotify is that you really can you know you can just experiment you can listen to so many different things because you're not paying yeah it, you know, well you're paying your, your monthly but uh that's what i find great about it and the algorithms are really funny <laughs> have you ever had your end of year you know we this is your uh, this it's is so
1: interesting it's, like, it's quite nice also when you like compare with a friend, like see what you have in common and like i think mean, tell your compatibility with people i think with, in terms of your music i think it's yeah it's quite fun
0: yeah, and, and, and so um, can your, your earliest memories of, of making art, can you remember, you know, at, at what point you you maybe started drawing or painting or were you like everyone else at school that you were just given some paper and crayons and you just started drawing? But can you remember the time when you thought, actually, I really enjoy this?
1: Um, I think I've always been very creative. I've yeah. always been drawing. Um, my mum, like, really encouraged it and I was, younger she studied sculpture and was an art teacher um, mm. when I was younger so I mean, I was always encouraged to like be making stuff I was always right. making stuff drawing I don't know making hats make <laughs> yeah just, it's always being encouraged or, like just like making story books and you know creating stories and then creating images to go with that wow so there's always been like a massive part of my life for sure yeah
0: um so basically growing yeah. up in a creative family and uh you
1: Yeah, know, yeah, just always being surrounded by it. Absolutely.
0: And make, make making
1: making
0: yeah. Yeah, not just making like 2D art um uh, but but also no, 3D I, and,
1: I think I mentioned before I did a lot of um like 3D modeling. Sure. Like there's like flaking like claymation. Yeah. So yeah, it's always busy with my hands and Creating like little sculptures. I, yeah, I love like Aardman and <laughs> like <laughs> creating their little movies and like I- fantasy worlds.
0: That's great. It's. I tell you what, it reminds me of historically, and that is the Brontes who who made these little books. I don't know if you've ever been to the Bronte Museum in Haworth in Yorkshire, but there's these beautiful little t- miniature books they made for their dolls to read with all their own stories they made up and drawings um, in. And so I I haven't seen that. Incredible. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I always used to love like yeah playing dolls as well. I think I'd spend hours and hours playing dolls and listening and... doing maybe, yeah, that's also awesome. kind of like maybe part of a creative process in itself, but like not making.
0: Sure, good, good. And do you think that you might, um, you might start making some 3D art or other kinds of art? Because uh, the, the ex- I, obviously paintings, so uh, acrylic paintings.
1: Yeah, I, I just love like creating, like you know, making a 3D image that's on a flat surface. I do have played with um digital rendering systems, creating 3D um 3D modeling and blender, free um cinema 4D. Sure. And that's definitely influenced my sort of my aesthetic taste and what I want to create. But it's something about painting and like make, you know, creating like having a flat image and the mm. flatness is something that I to keep. Think, sure. but, yeah, Bring in right. the sculptural for sure, and the monumental, like I want bringing the monumental but in painting.
0: Absolutely. And, and you know, your paintings, are, we'll, we'll talk about them more later. But they, they are one thing I will tell the listeners who don't know Georgia's work, we have a look online. Um, and uh, like JD Mallet's site shows images from the exhibition. And I think Georgia, do you have your own platform as well?
1: I do yeah, have a website and so
0: just Instagram. look up Georgia Dimit and you can look at some of the pages but the first thing that occurs to me anyway when I saw them is very kind of sculptural so I guess what you're saying yeah. Georgia, is that these you, you know and, and and we're going to talk about I think what has really hit people with your work um is is the fact that you're moving in between digital and anal- analog worlds all the time uh, and mm. I think that I think we see that us viewers, as it were, see that as a kind of metaphor for what's been um, happening exponentially, increasing exponentially, our, our own existences as human beings over since the start of COVID have become this curious mix of digital and analog. Um, and, and I know that uh, what I was going to ask you next was, um, you know, the software, uh, and computing software, uh, That that's very important in your current practice. Can you remember at what point, started getting interested in you know what happened can you remember when you started getting really interested in like uh software that helps you paint and
1: i think it was um i was just always really attracted to images that were made in digital software Mm -hmm. i mean just like scene and i made like a maze. like wow how is that made like Hmm. that's just so like alluring to me and i think i just gave myself like time probably during lockdown like just before lockdown I got Adobe and just because I was a student at the time then I could get it I think I got it for free and I yeah, spent like hours just like just playing with it I guess just like seeing what I could get from it and yeah through that I just got worked out quite a nice efficient workflow and it just worked for me like I see it like as an extended way of drawing for me
0: yeah, and Slade. It yeah. sounds as though they're very enlightened in the sense of offering you this software, uh, you know, and, and encouraging you to work within digital worlds as well as um, analog worlds.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're very like pro for like expanding like ideas of painting, what painting can be, and that's you know, um, yeah, is what really like attracted me to the program initially. You know, yeah, like they encourage like the very traditional side of painting, but also what can painting be different ways of thinking about it so yeah so so, so we've got your crisis.
0: so we we see that you've grown up in like a very artistic creative household which is kind of just naturally encourage you to just always want to make and create things uh your your own personal tendencies are towards um if you like flat art as i think you called it by painting and so on although there are a lot of like 3d ideas in there um and and you're working between these digital and analog worlds um i know that i think. If I remember rightly, you you also you you did you studied um you studied for your degree a a, a very different subject from fine art. I think it was anthropology.
1: Yeah, anthropology, do you want to say something about
0: yeah. why you chose that and how that maybe contributes to your practice?
1: Um, I think it was me kind of so I guess at school I was always very academic and pushed towards doing like medicine um, mm. and the sciences, and for me like anthropology was kind of like a me turning towards the arts, and it's kind of like, yeah, like a progression to that. So that's like my way through, I think, into more like creative thinking. Um, I think anthropology is just me being interested in like seeing myself outside of my own cultural position, understanding, you know, just understanding the world through someone else's eyes, or like giving, I think anthropology has definitely given me the tools. Um, to step outside or help me step outside of myself and my current position which I think is just yeah so helpful I think for any artist these days so, yeah I'm so grateful and, uh, that, that I have that sort of behind me yes so formative to my current yeah my practice now yeah
0: it's great that our educational systems enable us um, in this country. I think to, you know, we still we can still study humanities subjects, which some people might say aren't very vocational. Um, but I think mm-hmm. it's so important for our for us as a creative nation I think it you know to I, I mean I did my degree in Latin language which obviously the moment I tell people that they think why uh, but yeah. anyone who's studied it, classics, it's
1: hard isn't it yeah, yeah you know I mean, they, when I was even studying anthropology everyone's like what are you going to do with that, <laughs> with that. Um, but it's I
0: don't like, well my yeah, uh, my answer yeah. is that my, my answer is that it's kept me very very spiritually you know it's kept me very artistic and creative and happy for all of my life yeah. to be able to I, don't, think I
1: think it doesn't go anywhere this this learning this education yep. you know like it really, it's really informative it's always yeah
0: and obviously your anthropology feeds yeah, through yeah. it feeds into your artistic practice as well that we, yeah, we, we talk about them I think probably first let's let's talk about um you, the, what you like to do with your me, media and i've already i've already said about you know the paintings are, are basically they'd be described as a as acrylic on usually canvas i think sometimes silk
1: um just can't, yeah. linen and canvas linen cotton yeah and cotton and linen yeah, yeah. that's
0: right yeah, yeah yeah and and i i remember when i visited um your um your your temporary studio in mayfair um if i can say that uh that you you had a when I walked in the room you had this huge black you know probably two by two meter um canvas like quite square on the wall so it's kind of avoiding the traditional formats of portrait and landscape it's a nice Mm. square image and I meet, you know it immediately feels quite modern on that level and possibly digital um and 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 you had you painted it black so it's like a priming of, of black color and I I believe you do that with most of your paintings. So if people go to the exhibition, they might be quite surprised if they hear that behind all that pink and blue and bright colours is is actually a black backdrop. Would you like to say more about about what you do with that black Mm -hmm. that black and why you do it?
1: Yeah, you can always see behind me, there's like lots of black canvases that are already um, being in the process of making. Um, I... I think I think it's just it's something for me to build on. I think I like a dark background from mm-hmm. which I can, from colours, to emerge. I think it's part of like the thinking process for me. Um, I think if I painted on a white canvas, it, it wouldn't be the same. I wouldn't get the same feeling from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Maybe it feels kind of neutral to me. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just yeah. For, the, for my thinking process, I think it helps. With thinking through color.
0: Interesting. Um, so it's almost probably
1: like, yeah. I, don't, I think choosing color for me is probably most hardest part yeah. of what I know of the painting process, and it often changes. Um, so if I had like a red background to paint on, I think I don't know. <laughs> I it would completely change everything, yeah. So it's so really, it's really, yeah. like
0: black is kind of just like a neutral, a very, very strong yeah. neutral background. It's not even It's It's
1: something that I've that's just evolved to practice yeah. and yeah. just captures it. Yeah. Um, I mean, and white doesn't work.
0: Yeah, um, interesting. Interesting.
1: natural. Yeah. Maybe I'll try unprimed perhaps someday, you see, but for now, like, yeah, the black, and I mix it with sand as well. So that yeah. also has, Um. Uh, yeah I was going to say the
0: the the other thing that you you'll notice from Georgia's work if you look up close you can still see little sort of fragments of of sand or grit which she mixes with the black paint which I think gives you this rougher surface which is really nice physically to paint on as well
1: yeah it's very it's great to paint on it creates amazing resistance Mm. and I also like it like the physicality of the, you know it just shows the physicality of the painting process and it makes it more enjoyable as an image when you see it in the flesh I guess because when mm-hmm. you see it on a screen like it looks very smooth and mm-hmm. you know kind of digital but then the kind of texture gives the painting a different presence
0: mm-hmm. when you're
1: in the room of it which I think is kind of important when seeing your physical painting.
0: Definitely. And I think that's, I think, I, more
1: alive
0: and... I think that's what a lot of people enjoy when they actually see your paintings live, as it were. <laughs> that that yeah. you know, I, I, I would encourage my students if we visit, which I hope we will, um, you know, to get up close and actually enjoy the, the, it's kind of a physical, I don't know, everyone's subjective, but I love that kind of physical presence that getting up close to any kind of painting.
1: Yeah. Really.
0: And um. Uh, yeah. uh, so, so a, a lot of your, a, lo- a lot of your kind of paint is chosen I guess for naturalistic qualities so there's a lot of um there's a lot of pink being used like for the for the for the nudes um Mm -hmm. at first come across I guess because of the pinkness is kind of very female I guess because we're conditioned to think pink white woman at least pink flesh you know and flesh is pink um and then then one is often surprised by the these figures suddenly being presented in a totally unnaturalistic blue color do you want to Mm -hmm. talk more about your attitudes towards naturalism and, you know, artificiality. It's
1: something I'm playing with. I think it's something that I'm challenging, that I want to delve into, but I'm not completely committed to. Um, yeah, I think it's... I don't know, it's, it's something that I'm challenging. <laughs> yeah. With. But I, I I'm, I'm painting this behind, which is very naturalistic, but at the same time, the Mayfair studio and paint painting like something like, kind of like a blue um, lightsaber. So I'm sort of like grappling with myself, like how do I want, you know, what, again, like it's using color and how to, how does it impact the image? I think when you decide to make a figure a certain way, um, yeah. it's something that, yeah, like I'm constantly pushing and you know, just trying to figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I you know I don't want to be known for making just pink paintings. Sure. So I'm kind of challenging myself at the moment yeah. to try and not put any pink on my palette. Yeah, um, but it's something I, you know, I don't want to stop. No, but it's something I want to um, explore and question why I do it. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it cr- also yeah.
0: creates a kind of nice variety in the in the in the work as well. And the, I know that um, I, I remember when I spoke to you before the exhibition, you hadn't worked out a title for the ex- exhibition. And um, mm-hmm. I don't think I even put it in, the, um, in, in my introduction. I just didn't know. And that was quite interesting because some artists begin almost like with this grand title. And for you, it maybe didn't matter so much, but you, in the end, it, the, the exhibition's called Under Our Together. And, and I didn't mm. get a chance at the preview to ask you about that. Could you explain that? Is it meant to mean anything under, mm, our? I
1: think it's just about connection, like craving, like, you know, in this world where we're so disconnected and so connected. Mm. We're so interconnected with each other physically and through many means of media, but as well, like, you're so far apart. And it's sort of grappling with that sort of need to feel connection with another, but also feeling so distant and for me that's all all the paintings like expressing and the feelings of touch and Mm. being close to someone or different you know being um so yeah that's how
0: I mean to me to me to me it's very poetic I think it's beautiful and and to me it suggests um you know the words aren't for for that the words aren't syntactically um easy to understand in that order, which is it, which makes it very poetic, I think. Uh, and mm-hmm. um, Under Our Together suggests to me that, as you say, um, what is going on almost like in our subconscious, uh, mm. in, in terms of our relationships with fellow human beings, um, some are strangers, some are, are known to us. And, you know, there's, there is definitely a very tactile uh, maybe th- th- erotic quality to the work for for, for people listening to the podcast who haven't seen the work one of the one of the most compelling things is that uh, Georgia interweaves her figures their limbs kind of interweave with one another until you and they kind of knotted so you can't actually work out sometimes where the limb which figure the limbs are coming from and um, not only that we were talking about sort of it being coming across as quite feminine to start with but one of my favourite paintings in the exhibition is, uh, is, actually has a quite evocative uh, classical title, which is Waiting for Bacchus, where the more I looked at it, mm-hmm. the more I wondered whether there's a kind of, the genders are kind of mixed in that. Uh, and that that interested me as a classicist, because uh, I don't know whether this is in your subconscious or consciousness, but if you know the myths of Bacchus, Greek Dionysus, you know, he's, he becomes very, he's attracted, he's attractive to both men and women in kind of Greek bisexual age, ancient Greek culture was quite bisexual. Uh, and, and so the, you know, particularly the women were his followers in, in the irrational world of the countryside. Uh, you know, his cult had to be brought into the city and it was resisted. The city patriarchy didn't want Bacchus to enter the city. It's quite an interesting historical story as well. Uh, and so it's very, very, although it's led by a man, the son of Zeus, um, he, uh um he's followed by women it's a very kind of female cult as well as of course the male thorn satires but it's the it's it, it's the women that i think particularly interested you so that that kind of merging not just of um of forms but also merging of gender seems to be a very contemporary thing mm. to think about our identity what, how we identify sexually and in terms of gender and it, presumably that is just that's just coming from your experience of the world rather than that you're thinking i'm gonna kind of tickle the right boxes and just do this
1: yeah yeah it's something like that just flows naturally and it feels right and um yeah i think there's yeah it's just a product of hmm. me considering what what it means yeah. to be you know like in, an age into a young person and you know um yeah it's,
0: Yes, it's, it's good. And yeah. it, again, it's one of the things that make your work very contemporary, and I think very prophetic, very much looking towards a, a future for, for, for all of these ideas. And that that coming back to the waiting for Bacchus, I remember we were talking before about the fact that you, well, you will often paint into the early hours of the night for hours on end. And the, I think you described sometimes that it's almost going... And it made me think of Bacchus Dionysus again, because the whole point of worship of Dionysus Bacchus is to create ecstasy. The Greek word meaning being outside of yourself, not necessarily done through wine and alcohol and drugs. It we learn from mythology, it could you can dance yourself into that frenzy. It sounds to me, Georgia, as though you sometimes paint yourself into that frenzy. Do you want to talk more about that state? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. It's, I think it's. I think it's actually working towards a show and. Um, you know having some good, like good positive time pressure as well, like it's, it's working long hours and kind of pushing yourself to. I kind of like push myself to the point where I'm like you know, painting feels like a second language, and it's just an exciting state to be in when you're kind of not thinking but painting and seeing what comes through that. Um, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah. I think yeah, like a pen, painting, frenzies and something, So just like lose yourself in it, yep. which I tend to do. Like hours just fly by, and um.
0: <laughs> that was probably like, quite yeah, a nice. Probably quite a nice thing to happen during COVID when we were all just locked in our homes and quite bored. Otherwise, yeah. didn't have something to do.
1: Yeah. I think also just like I don't know, like existing today, sort of. I don't know, it's just like distractions and noise being kind of required to be yeah. on your phone and maybe a way like painting is a resistance to that where you can actually be tactile and in your body and in yourself and kind of yeah, like mm. of being able to concentrate on making your work, um, but I think, yeah, concentration is always something that I you know, struggle with you know with just like um yeah like feeling like spread I think technologically spread and like socially spread and lots of of things going on so yeah like I think painting is is a great focus absolutely kind of a meditative process for me for sure
0: yeah I think those of us who don't make art would envy that and have to find other ways of of losing ourselves, I guess. You yeah, know, maybe, I
1: think there's, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe fishing, knitting, I don't know. There's yeah, of... yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> just listening to music yeah. or reading, you know, as well, or just being sometimes, you know.
1: It's, yeah, it, it, yeah. it's
0: so important, Georgia, isn't it? Because, you know, more and more people have mental health problems, I think, because of COVID and the lockdown. And now we've got this awful events happening in Eastern Europe, and and it's just too much for a lot of people. I know that. And I think I think everybody <laughs> listening should try and find some kind of I hate I hate the word hobby, but start painting. You know, mm. follow Georgia's example. Get some canvas from an art shop <laughs> and just just paint. It's so therapeutic, I think. You know, and it is mm. art is used in therapy, isn't it? For on that level. Mm. Um, Georgia, I um I just remembered coming back to your process, I think you need to say we need to say something about what is very important to you and I think for the viewer as well to understand could you just say something about the, the, the coming and going from the from the physical uh, work on the on the easel uh, to the back into kind of computer software and then back again? I think you said for example with your black screen, one, another reason that you have your blackies, your your black primed canvas is because you can then project digital images onto it and sketch those onto mm. the black as as part of your painting.
1: Yeah, it, it is just part of the process. Mm. Um, it's just kind of a back and forth sort of grappling with mm. whether I'm working digitally or physically. Um, it's just, yeah, it's kind of again, just like feeling into the whole um, of you know sort of the struggle I think between technical and physical worlds where there's a difference is no difference and sort of me sort of um, performing that possibly like through painting.
0: So I think um, you I think you you might do a bit of painting and then you will um, maybe take an image in, in into your camera, into your smartphone and, and then and then put it into the software and then play around with it and change things and then take yeah. it back onto the canvas.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then it it sometimes in in the physical it might be different, and I might change it again. And yeah, it's just like really trying to kind of expand sort of my understanding of painting and not really just understanding a painting as a canvas Mm
0: -hmm. in a
1: studio, but like bringing it into like a digital space and seeing how that informs the work. Mm. So yeah, it's just kind of really trying to kind of opening opening up what the painting is and what it can be. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And um I was going to ask how did you I don't think I've ever asked you this and I haven't asked JD, you're you know, you're the, the, the gallerist who's uh who's representing you. Um how did JD Mallet discover you?
1: <laughs> um, through um a collector yeah. okay. um catnetula actually um Picked up some of my pieces and New JD, and they have said, well we have a very similar taste mm. in art. And we, yeah, we made the connection through that. And we had a studio visit a few, few weeks later, mm. and then we were kind of it was very quick from then. I was like, Okay, I want to find you. And mm. I think the next few days I signed, and yeah, here we are. It's, yeah,
0: yeah. And and um, Georgia, if you don't mind me saying, you're 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 very young to to appear uh in, in, in a in a Mayfair Contemporary gallery uh, like that. Um and uh, how to I mean would you like to say something about that experience? Cause it must must have been a bit of a whirlwind on one level.
1: Yeah. Like, it is class. a whirlwind, but it's it's been so exciting and the seeing what's come from it. Um yeah, yeah, I'm just so excited and it's great to be at the stage and you know to keep of pushing it and making you know keep staying excited and um mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's brilliant I, just, I couldn't be gonna be happier so.
0: and the, and the show goes on till April the 9th and then after that you 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 probably need to take some kind of well-deserved break I don't know whether or um, carry on working well, well, planning, when does your slate degree slave... when does the slade finish?
1: Slade finishes well I have another year at the Slade yeah, And then I also I have a solo show with J.D. Mallett um, in New York in oh, that, June as well. So that's just at the moment creating a body of work for that. So we'll, yeah, so we'll, I, I love it. It's just keeping the ball rolling and just sure, constantly,
0: sure. You know. Um, I, I'm aware that some of our yeah. listeners are in New York. So do, do you know, will that be a pop-up in Manhattan or Brooklyn or?
1: Um, I'm not, I think it's not going to be in Chelsea, but I'm not Chelsea. entirely sure. I will share you. Yourself,
0: sure so um, it won't but it won't basically. be in a in an established gallery presumably jd will um i don't i don't have a permanent space yeah yeah
1: but i think yeah they're expanding into it so, mm. um, but
0: but certainly yeah. new, new yorkers uh, uh and those you who can get there do look out um for that on george's um and jd mallet's uh web, website as it were um what, what i was going to ask you is do you do you have any advice to emerging artists? You know, maybe people who are a little, you know, younger than you and just beginning in art college. On uh, um, not just not just general advice, but um, on 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 on. Do you think that artists should be aware that they're creating almost like a brand to use the contemporary uh, term? Um, you know, we often. We often... It
1: depends. What it, I think practices vary. I think. Um, I mean, not necessarily. And it depends what you want your art practice yeah. <laughs> to be. Um, it's okay, we're laughing. You know, I, I, my, think, I think, <laughs>
0: my I think just the most important it, like. thing is just to
1: like, enjoy what you do. You know, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. And I think from that, I think, you know, you okay, good work, work yeah. hard, I think then um, good stuff will follow and you know, that will be your direction. Like,
0: yeah, so just be true to yourself. Um, be
1: true to yourself, enjoy your work, be excited by your work
0: take advice from your professors at art college or
1: we'll, we'll leave it you know just like I'll take just... it or like reject it I think it's also good to you know like mm-hmm. believe in what you believe and yeah follow through with that so I'll just be
0: strong
1: in your your voice
0: so so your future plans, you've just said, basically creating some more, will, will you take some of the paints you've already done to New York or are you creating a, a new body of work?
1: A new that? body of work.
0: And it's going to be similar in style probably because not that many months will have gone by.
1: <laughs> no, um, but I think you know, it's all changing, time and just like everything, I think each piece is like informative to the next. And it's just like a slow, like slow movement. So yeah, um, yeah similar. Uh,
0: different <laughs> excellent and, <laughs> the, and, and, and <laughs> i i think one one last thing i i you know we were talking earlier about the about mental health and what's going on in ukraine at the moment and i know from your social media posts that you've doing your own bit to support um what's happening in ukraine do, do you want to say something about that
1: yeah we we have um, some so, um, prints available which are available through jd mallet website, where um, 50% of the proceeds will be going straight to Red Cross Ukraine, um, I believe like it's directly on purchase, and all that money will be going directly to Red Cross. So,
0: Interesting. Yeah. And I think that there's it's great that George is supporting that in that way. My, my, my most recent podcast before this one, um, if you haven't listened to it, you should listen to it. it's with um, the the director at the very newly opened um uh, museum of modernism as it's called uh in in Ukraine and um, uh, he has uh, um he, he, he's um, um Bodan his name is uh, miss he's he's uh, also sent me a link for um helping artists there's another non-red cross fund that is for artists and on the radio this morning I heard um uh, uh, there's going to be a show at the weekend. Uh, of art for Ukraine in St Peter's Church Notting Hill I think. Um, I've also heard that the dealer I think that that is Ukrainian food and artists and they charge you 20 pounds and you get fed and you can see some of the art by Ukrainians working in London that will go to artists in Ukraine and the Red Cross Fund and I also spoke about Philip Moulds the the art dealer well known on BBC for Fake and Fortune. Uh, He he's Mm -hmm. he's doing a kind of like champagne reception free tour of his gallery for for money so I'm, I'm, I'm just making the point that every, artists and people interested in art Ukrainian artists and um and, and dealers like Philip Mould are all contributing uh you know to this awareness of what's happening there and you know I I, I think that uh, talking to some of my Ukrainian students who uh, you know a couple of whom are, are, are artists basically but now living in the UK you know I'm, I'm saying to them whatever happens to the outcome of this even though the reasons are bad the causes are bad that you people will know about you now so you know you need mm. to look forward with with the, the tremendous positivity that I think we all agree Ukrainian people have whenever we listen to them yeah. on the news you know they're they're, they're in terrible trouble and yet they remain very positive positive. and the artists I know as the same you know they just don't believe that yeah. this country is going to fall and that they believe that they will continue to produce art in the future so mm. um I think we're all agreed, Georgia, that um, you know, we we're we're thinking of fellow artists and consumers of art uh, in, in those troubled nations mm-hmm. at the moment. Um so yeah thank you very much for giving up your time today. I, I, I know that you're itching to get back to those those wonderful <laughs> <laughs> paintings and um, sitting behind you in, in Slade. And um we um yeah, no, thank you again. And um as I say to everybody, <laughs> do go do go down to David Street and Mayfair jt Mallett's gallery and see george's um current exhibition which finishes on saturday the 9th of april yeah i think that's right (laughs) correct (laughs) so thank you george yeah
1: thank you thanks for having me